But um, it, at MLB, I loved my job. It was a dream job of sorts, but I found myself just dying to be at the ballpark and seeing it all happen live and, and getting to, to talk about it because I, I realized I wasn't good enough to play baseball professionally, so the next best thing would be to talk about it. And uh, it's been a, a very nice reimagined dream. Thugs. Negative six minutes. <laughs> you want me to do it's... that so I can study and I can prep. There is, there's nothing to study. I mean, I mess up all the time. No, you I'm see just it kidding. in real life. Come on yeah. now. And I think I'm going to keep this in here just for the people that are listening. Like, what in the world we are they talking bloopers. about? <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to get Courtney to start the show off because she doesn't like to. <laughs> yes, that's where we're starting today. <laughs> Don't even put me on the but, spot. Typical. No, it's all good. <laughs> Welcome to the Walker Girl Show, everyone. It's Ronnie and Courtney on the mic. And for you guys that are still stuck on the audio, yes, I'm going to tease you guys because, again, we have a special guest and you guys will be able to hear. He is part of the Savannah Banana baseball team. I hope I'm saying that right. I hope I, I purpose got all that down to pack. So you're going to hear about that. When Courtney first mentioned to me Savannah Banana, I was like, what in the hell are you talking about? And I had to look it up myself. So I know a lot of you guys are probably probably wondering the same thing. So you're going to be able to hear from someone who can give us the behind the scenes, the hindsight, and kind of the, the backstory of what is Savannah Banana and also how he managed to be successful, at, in my eyes at least, because he's doing something he loves. And I think what they're doing over there is incredible because it's very, very, very unique. But I don't want to talk too much. I know, Courtney, you want to kind of briefly or formally, I should say, introduce our guest here. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that was fantastic. I guess I only have a little bit to add, but no, all I was going to say is um, obviously super excited to have Biko here. Biko is somebody that I've known for a really long time. Um, we are both from Sovereignties, New York, so he actually grew up with my sister, and we were, if I think, uh, I know we're kind of that group, but to us, it's like if you grew up in Sovereignties, you grew up in sports, right? So that, it was just a lot of us that kind of grew up playing sports, and um, yeah, just getting to know each other through that. So yeah, he graduated with my sister. So I've known him for a long time throughout high school and junior high and everything like that. And it's just really cool to see, you know, there's certain people I think, you know, it's like, they're a little bit too big for Socrates New York. And that's not a dig on Socrates by any means, but it's just one of those people, you know, like they're going to go out and do big things. And he absolutely did. So I'm really excited that you're here and, uh, yeah, can't wait to hear more about what you're actually doing out there. It, it just looks like so much fun. No, oh, warms warms the heart to hear. Well, one, thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, yeah, the the Sagartesians, we stick together. Sports, <laughs> definitely. I didn't really, I didn't realize it when I was in it, right? But when you take a step back and talk to people from all over the world, yeah, sports does dominate our lives, especially baseball. Like it is a town built around baseball, um, and that was pretty perfect for me. Um, and it's it's pretty cool and full circle to get to come on the podcast. I mean, in Mount Marion, we were like probably a mile away from each other. That's just, true. Just that's the railroad true. track separating Courtney and I. So that's uh, true. it's, that's it's fun to get to talk shop. Yeah, definitely. That's funny to think about. Cool. I think I, I was reading a little bit. We, we do a little bit of research, you know, on here. We do our due diligence. <laughs> Long to hear that. But, um, I was actually just curious because I saw one of your bios or some information. I was like, when you're not there when you're not in savannah or when you're not traveling or whatever it is that you spend a lot of time back in Socrates, are you back there pretty often are you spending time throughout the year 
Yeah, a decent amount. So like my my journey with the bananas continues to evolve in what was back in 2020, a two and a half month contract. And then oh, okay. I was down there for like five months and then gotcha. seven months. And then it looks like next year it's going to be closer to eight months. So okay. um, my time up north continues to be chopped into. Mm-hmm. But when I am up here, I'm primarily I used to be in Manhattan um now lauren myself my fiance mm-hmm. and the couple we live with popped over the hudson river and are living okay. in jersey city so that is where i currently am i do get out to sardis like probably every other like maybe twice a month or so check oh, it okay. out on the farm try and you know mm-hmm. my grandparents are pretty close um maybe i'll wrangle a couple of, of the friends together and and hit main street and marabella's yeah. and bellas <laughs> and all that fun stuff partition um you gotta. so yeah i, I get up Which, there probably more than a lot of people who end up skipping down that's true that's true definitely more than me so but i'm i'm a little bit further so I, that's my excuse <laughs> out here in phoenix but yeah that's really cool and um congratulations by the way tell lauren i said hi thank you <laughs> yeah great congratulations I did, yes i did see those pictures very cute very cute um okay but we're not here to talk about Socrates, so right um, <laughs> that's that's okay it's a good intro but um yeah i think we just first and foremost want to hear more about the bananas about i mean yeah. how did that start how did you get involved all of it so the bananas predates bigo by uh, a decent amount as far as my involvement um mm-hmm. the team started in 2016 jesse and emily cole uh husband and wife if that wasn't obvious they were running the um, Gastonia Grizzlies yeah. in the Coastal Plain League up in North Carolina and then also ended up involved in the Martinsville Mustangs a little bit, but that kind of doesn't matter to the story. <laughs> Basically, they just wanted to make baseball incredibly fun, and they did a lot of that in Gastonia. And then on their honeymoon, Emily took Jesse to Historic Grayson Stadium in Savannah, Georgia, like classic. They're diehard baseball fans, so on their honeymoon, they go to a minor league baseball game. Um, and they fell in love with the park and were like, this is kind of close enough to home here where if this team ever left, we would love to hop in. Well, they happened to be watching one of the last ever uh, Savannah Sand Nats games. The single A affiliate of the Mets was ready to leave for Columbia, uh, South Carolina for a new $40 million stadium that the city of Savannah would not give them because they had a historic race stadium that was sitting there since 1926. So um, they left and all of a sudden, this dream that was realized like less than a month ago could be a possible reality. So Bessie and Emily convinced the Coastal Plain League to give them another team and for them to set up shop down in Savannah. They worked it out, obviously, with the city and everything. And then they had to figure out what the name of their baseball team would be. So like as so many of these minor league or collegiate summer, whatever baseball teams do, they come in and they ask the fans, right? Like, hey, send in submissions. What do you think it should be? And only one woman submitted the name Bananas. It should be the Savannah Bananas. And as soon as they saw that, they fell in love with it and were like, yeah, that's that's got to be the way forward. And when they did the big release, uh, they got mocked a lot. Um, some mm. people loved it, but most people hated it. But, um, uh, you know, any publicity can be good publicity to a point. And it was trending on Twitter. They were talking about it on SportsCenter, this and that. Um, They ended up selling out 18 of the first 25 games of that summer. And then by the time I joined up in 2020, which was for year five of the team, they had sold out 88 straight games because of incredible fan service and the show that was surrounding a baseball game. Like common refrain was you're seeing a circus with a baseball game in the middle because they have a dancing first base coach and 
uh, a, you know, an elderly dance troupe called the Mananas, and the dad bought cheerleading squad, which is like middle-aged men dressed up in cheerleading uh, outfits. They had a sign spinner, and they have a brass band called the Banana Band that goes around, you know, green music here and there. Jesse in Gastonia had a, uh, started wearing a yellow tux, which made even more sense when they became the Bananas. Like, that was just kind of luck. Um, but it was just a standout type thing. Like, I'm the ringmaster, but I'm going to wear something kind of absolutely absurd, but also that is very recognizable. And then somebody sees the man in the yellow tux, they go, oh, there is Jesse Cole. Um, so there's there's a lot of moving pieces to it. But, like, the core of the Bananas is that the company that owns them, that Jesse and Emily run, is called Fans First Entertainment. So our number one tenant, our North Star for everything we do is, is this fans first? Do the fans want this? Which is why in 2020, they took out all the advertisements from the stadium and threw away about half a million dollars in revenue. They said fans aren't coming to the stadium to watch a game not to be advertised to. Also, with the $25 ticket, you get completely free food in Grayson Stadium. Free burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, uh, cookies, popcorn, soda, the the whole nine yards you know you can buy beer and you can buy like dipping dots or these giant nachos we serve in a garbage can but you can the dream is family of four you pay a hundred bucks the bananas pay taxes and fees so like any tax or anything we're gonna pay that it's just gonna be a hundred dollars flat you come well, into the stadium you can feed your family and you never take your wallet out um and that ended up catching fire and then we decided to attack baseball actually in the center of the show because we realized that the only thing we couldn't control was the sport we were playing (laughs) and that led us to creating banana ball which is a a whole nother journey i'm so amazed right now there's so many places to go (laughs) it's a lot holy crap ronnie i just have to ask like we have a lot of great guests on here but i think this is like for me this is the most i've ever wanted to take a field trip yeah no seriously (laughs) Like I'm right with you. I'm like thinking, why don't we have this in my town? Like, what what's going yeah, on? Right. And why is this not such a, a global thing at this point? Because it's like you're you're truly indeed putting, as you mentioned, the fans first. And it's like, yeah, every yes, of course, everyone wants to make money nowadays. So yeah, that's always gonna play a piece in it. But it's like, man, to pay when the part you blew me away is when you immediately said tw- you can pay twenty five bucks and everything else in yeah, there is free. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> What world is this? <laughs> yeah, that is, you know, very. That doesn't happen. So I'm like, wow. Um, I think a trip to Savannah is going to happen. When's um, the <laughs> season coming back? So we will announce our 2024 schedule on October 5th via a free to watch YouTube stream. We'll have about 3,000 people in Grayson Stadium to watch it as well. It's going to be our first ever like live NFL NBA draft type style schedule release. Um. And that will tell the world that we will be touring next year from February to October. Um, so now it's going to be probably about an eight-month tour. Uh, gotcha. So, so you guys... Yeah, it's going to be wild. You, you guys are typically traveling to different... It's not... You guys just don't stay in Savannah. You guys actually travel to different cities and states. Correct. So that's like the evolution of the team is it started as a college summer baseball team. They won the championship in 2016, the inaugural season, which was pretty magical from all uh, eyewitness reports that have gotten. And then in 2020, we played the first ever banana ball game. So like I kind of teased that everybody in banana land is obsessed with the perfect show and the greatest fan experience. So 
they were taking pictures of the stands at the game and seeing when people tended to leave. And no matter how great the game was, no matter how great the show was, the entertainment, special guests, whatever, it was about the two-hour mark that you started seeing people leave. You know, kids have bad times, this and that, whatever. So that's when the idea for Banana Ball happened, where it was like, well, what if we put a two-hour time limit on baseball? And then we made every single inning a game within itself, which was Jesse's dad's idea to turn it into basically a match-style play. So if you win an inning, you get a point, and that eliminates blowouts. So if a game scores eight runs in the first inning, the rest of the game isn't you know pretty much null and void at that point. Um, they just get one point for it. And then from there, we were just like, okay, what do the fans want? Well, no bunting. We just want to see people swing the bats. We made no bunting. <laughs> no mound visits. That was for time. So you can't go out on, on the mound. Uh, you can't step out of the batter's box. That's for time purposes. Like, no stepping out. Stay in the box. The pitchers can throw to you. Uh, you can steal first base on a wild pitch or pass ball. Uh, on a walk, instead of just walking to first, they're like, what other sport is there a, a time when we stop and people just walk? Um, it turned into a sprint. So if ball four is fired... All seven fielders behind the pitcher and catcher have to touch the ball, and the runner can get as many bases as they as they can. Um, that has evolved to being a, a one base a lot because the defense is so good. But in the first couple of years of banana ball, it was a guaranteed double, sometimes a triple, um, and still there'll be an overthrow or something. You get three bases, maybe even a home run. Um, and then the 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 fans first, most fans first rule of them all is if a foul ball is caught in the air cleanly by a fan, it is out in the game. So. We wow. kind of grabbed all these rules, threw them together, called it Banana Ball, and invented that in 2020. And it ended up being so successful that by 2022, we said, okay, this is our last year in the Coastal Plain League. They won back-to-back -back championships in 2021 and 2022. So the Bananas won three championships in six years that uh, there was a league involved here for across this 15-team league. Started as 16 for the first few years. Um, and then now, last year... Um, we visited 33 cities across 21 states in the country to bring Banana Ball around while still playing 30 games in Savannah as well. So that, oh my gosh. it's a pretty similar schedule that we're crafting for 2024, um, just a little bit more friendly to us as workers because we kind of had an absolutely banana pants bonkers journey this year. So it'll be a little, <laughs> a little more friendly to our travel schedules and, and the sleep that we can acquire. Yeah. Definitely. I can only imagine. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm just like, my head's like bouncing back and forth like this and this and that and that and we included these rules and it just sounds so much fun. It's it's funny because it's like, and then you say they won the championship. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's like actual baseball. Like, <laughs> it's hard for my brain to like wrap around the idea that you're playing like, you know, act, an actual game that we all know so well, but also just making it so much fun and adding all these elements and, and the rules sound fun and and it's true, like, you go to a baseball, I, I can honestly say, and you know I grew up playing softball since, barely since I could walk, and so I have a lot of respect for the game, but I think I can honestly say the last game I went to, it was like the seventh inning, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't even think I watched a game. Like, I looked up and was like, oh my gosh, I don't even think I was like, how did it get to this point? So it, it can be a slow game, just kind of depending on what's going on, depending on, you know, who's matched up, it, it can be something that's pretty slow, and when I was talking about having you on here, actually, I was like, you know how when you go to like a minor league game, it's just so much fun. There's always like these, you know, games on the side. Of and my only experience was the Renegades. That's Valley Renegades and going to a couple of those up in New York. And they would just have these side games going on and just, you know, different fun things. And I would like 
remember the jingles and stuff that they would play. And I'm like, this is on a whole other level. Like, yeah. it's, you really can't even compare. No, seriously. Yeah, for sure. Entertainment is is king in Banana Land. And like Jesse loves to say, now we're living in the TikTok generation where like if something isn't catching your eye within the first one to three seconds, truly, if you're thinking about TikTok, but in general, like there just can't be downtime. There always has to be something for the eyes to see, which talking to fans and, and friends and family who have gotten to go to games, like it can be overwhelming. It's like, wait a minute, there's this game happening yeah. in the middle. But also this guy's coaching first base and doing a magic trick right now or break dancing or like doing a dance to wrecking ball by Miley Cyrus. Like there's always uh, a lot going on, but it has also created the, the perfect two hour event where also when you get into the weeds of it, we start entertaining at 4.30 p.m. and uh, first pitches until 7 p.m. And then we have like a half hour, 45 minute big party outside with the players and everybody for the fan because it's very important to control the entrance and the exit. And if it's a big bash on the way in and entertainment, 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 then voila, you have a perfect experience from start to finish. So it, it really does turn into like six hours of, of jam-packed fun for a $25 ticket. But the game is two hours. There's a timer on it. Yeah. And that's going to be one where like you do not see a lot of people leave the seats. It's It's tough for people to figure out what time they should go get concessions because... There is always something happening. Um, and you do not see people on their phones if they're not videotaping something. Like, you, they'll have their phones out when Stilts is coming up to hit or when Matt Wolf, the trick pitcher, is on the mound or Ziggy is balancing a 40-pound bat on his chin coming up to the plate. Um, but you don't see people on there scrolling through social media, which is heartwarming yeah. for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I did it just allows wanna... everyone to... Go ahead, Courtney. Sorry. Sorry. I did just want to ask, I know you brought it up, um, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up because it's kind of like that piece that people don't see. This is all, you know, fun and really entertaining and all that type of stuff. But I appreciate you bringing up the piece about the voice. Like people work there too. And these guys who are playing and dancing and doing all the entertainment, how do you get, and within I mean, six hours is a shift, I guess, but I'm sure you're prepping for all of that, you know, and how do you get time for you? How do you all, and I'm sure it looks different individually, but how do you all get that time to, to know that you're okay and know that, you know, step out of that performance level kind of. Yeah, that was a big focus of this tour in that this is the first full season we've ever had of Banana Ball. Like we played 87 Banana Ball games this year, whereas last year we played 22 in total across like two different separate mini tiny seasons. Um, And then the year before that we played five and then 2020 was the first year we ever played Banana Ball and we only played three times. So um, in the fourth year that we've ever played Banana Ball, we went from playing three games in a year to 87 in a year. So this is still one big grand experiment. Um, it was it was tiring. It could definitely be exhausting when you're playing like a Monday game and then you have to be playing in Vegas on Thursday um, or, or a Tuesday game and you have to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Friday. Like we have learned a lot in, in the schedule that is coming out. The world will see that we're not playing on any Mondays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays to try and give our, our bodies, our minds, and our souls the the rest that it needs to, you know, give all of these performances 100%. Um, but I, I think I personally am not a great person to ask because I find myself having a lot of endless energy and I love what I do so much that every time I go to the ballpark and show up there anywhere between like 9 to 11 a.m. Um, and then I'm grinding until about midnight. Like that doesn't 
it doesn't really get to me. I'm very happy and I love what I'm doing. Um, and a lot of it is like necessary preparation and build up to give the best broadcast possible. Um, and, and I enjoy that. And like in the, in the broadcast booth, we started what we call the BTV were bananas television. So, uh, the BTV album club where myself or anybody else on the crew will just name an album and we'll all listen to an album in the background while we do our work. So like that's, that helps vibes a lot. Um, and then at the end of the day, like, ah, I just listened to three new albums. My, my mind has expanded. I got to broadcast a banana ball game. We saw two or three things that didn't happen in our sport ever before. We were excited. We laughed. Um, there's usually, um, you know, a heartwarming moment or two throughout a banana ball game. And then at the end of the day, you, you figure stuff out and, and you got to be ready for tomorrow. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, but when you love what you're doing, it, it flies by pretty quickly and it, it, it's a lot easier for me to bounce back. I mean, there's certainly at the end of like three day weekends when you've had back to back to back games where on that Saturday, I like find my body drained. I'm like, I need to get horizontal fast. Um, but you get yourself horizontal, you close those eyes and, and your body will uh, recuperate what it can. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. I appreciate you bringing it up because yeah, I mean, it's important. And like I said, this is all fun. And of course we want to talk about the fun stuff, the entertaining stuff, but, but you're real people and, you know, and we appreciate, I mean, and just cause we brought it up already, like that you br bring so much to the fans and it's not so much just a moneymaker type situation. So you bring so much and you think so much about the people who are going to be there. So I appreciate that you also think about the people who are involved and the people who are behind the scenes and yeah, just making it more of a realistic thing because everyone has that. And we talked about balance, you know, we talked about, please, um, you know, your self-care and making sure that you're getting time for you and things like that, too. So, yeah, I just appreciate you. You bring that up. That's Super important. And then that's how the show is going to run. You know, if you're all burnt out, if you're not all loving what you're doing behind the scenes, it's not going to function as well as it does. So super important. Yeah, 100%. And like if if you talk to people who work with us as game day staff, so like wherever we are in the country, we are obviously going to hire on like close to 100 people to help us put the show on. Um, well, quite often you hear people are really shocked by, you know, how friendly we are as a group in general, which is cool to hear. Um, because that speaks to the culture of the organization, but it, it can, um, you know, you can hear this out in the world and, and it can be overused, but it is uh, a pretty big family. Like we have about 37 people who work full time with us and we all feel like we're very good friends with each other and we really care for each other and are looking after each other. So, you know, uh, like I said, my job, it also isn't very physically demanding. Like I'm up in normally an air conditioned broadcast booth. And I'm sitting down during the day doing all my work, and then I'll stand up for two and a half hours to broadcast the game. But um, besides that, I'm not really taxing my body. We have a lot of people who are grinding in merchandise tents or when we're in Savannah running all of our concessions um, and bars and everything like that. And on a hot, muggy Savannah day, it can feel like it's over 100 very easily. We were out in California this year where it was consistently over 100 um, in, in Rancho Cucamonga right outside of LA and stuff. And I think as a group, we do a very good job of making sure everybody's having water and taking their breaks when they need it and uh, are, are staying hydrated and happy and have the joy and energy to reciprocate that for the fans who have gotten these tickets over two months in in advance, if not longer, yeah. um, and have probably been really looking forward to this and have circled this date for a long time. So like that's something that we always have to keep in our mind is whether it is our first game of the season or our 79th. 
it is so many people's first banana ball game they're ever getting. So we can't take a night off. They have to yep. be getting the authentic, exciting, bizarre, wild, weird shenanigans with 100% of, of our effort every time because that will be their lasting memory of banana ball, whether we have 87 of them in a year or not. Um, yeah. A lot of people who are there, like this is what they are going to be experiencing. And then going out into the world and telling their friends and family and this and that and yeah. person on social media, this was what I experienced. So it's really important to make sure that we're all ready to, to bring it on any given night. Definitely. Yeah. And I kind of want to go back in time a little bit because you mentioned Banana Ball started really for you in 2020. And obviously you had something prior to that that was going on. Yeah, I did read up on that. You were part of the MLB and NHL. What were you specifically doing there with the network aspect? So I was doing a lot of video editing. That was my first gig after graduating from Syracuse is two weeks after graduation. Um, I started up at Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League Network, which is combined, although I spent about 90% of my time, if if that, on the baseball side of the operations. Um a lot of video editing started as a broadcast associate ended up being promoted up to an associate producer which was cool because then I started getting to work a lot more with the talent which was you know former major league baseball players who I grew up idolizing um and 99% of them were absolutely amazing and it was very cool to get to meet my heroes um there was there was one or two that's like that oh could have not experienced that but that's okay like I said 99% of them were super awesome um but I had done some broadcasting in, in Courtney in my hometown of Socrates during the college days with the Socrates Stallions, which I was very blessed uh, to have been able to do. I mean, they literally created a collegiate summer baseball team. And in year two, it was my first year uh, or my first summer after college. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just broadcast in my hometown and work at the hardware store. Uh, so that was pretty lucky. But um, it, at MLB, I loved my job. It was a dream job of sorts. But I found myself just dying to be at the ballpark and seeing it all happen live and and getting to, to talk about it because I, I realized I wasn't good enough to play baseball professionally. So the next best thing would be to talk about it. And uh, it's been a, a very nice reimagined dream. Gotcha. Would you say that being part of that being part of that role prepared you for banana ball? For sure. It definitely didn't hurt it. Um, I mean, one of the funnier connections is I did probably close to like 10 breakdowns, we call them, with Eric Burns, who was one of my dad and my favorite baseball players growing up. Um, just gave 110% all the time, would do these throws home where he would do a forward roll after because he literally threw his whole momentum forward so much. And like, we loved that. Um, so then all of a sudden I'm working with him. And then in year three of the Bananas, he shows up as the team's coach for the 12-game world tour. Um, so, so that was pretty wild. All of a sudden I was doing interviews, running with him on the beach and sharing what was pitched to us as a jacuzzi, but was actually just a tub in Jesse's home. Um, <laughs> but like popping in a, all of a sudden I'm thigh to thigh in a tub with some jets in Jesse Cole's home with Eric Burns and, and I'm doing it in interview. So that was a really cool full circle moment. There was a lot that I picked up from, you know, guys like Jim Tomey and Harold Reynolds, and Sean Casey and Mark DeRosa and, uh, the list goes on and on that I now use it, at, uh, you know, in my broadcasting world with the bananas. But in general, it, it definitely wasn't a one to one type fit because I went from behind the camera doing a lot of video editing to being in front of the camera broadcasting. Um, but it, it did definitely impress the bananas more than it should have being on my resume. They were like, oh, my gosh, we're getting this guy from MLB Network. Like, he's a big shot. And I'm like, guys, I'm 
that have been behind the camera and Adobe Premiere Pro for two years. Like, I don't think you quite understand that, but that's okay. Figure, uh, yeah, it was big weights coming in. And then all of a sudden this 23-year-old walks through the door and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I, I want to ask, because in my experience, just thinking back to, like you said, I mean, stallions are pretty new um, in, just in terms of baseball and sorries, but from my memory, you've been kind of broadcasting announcing we didn't really call it broadcasting back then but you were announcing games you were up in the booth you know what I mean even when um I don't know some of the little league and things like that how I mean that's my memory of it how old do you think you were or when did you start actually like announcing these games and getting to like you say talk about baseball yeah so my whole dream growing up was to be a major league baseball player. I would have loved to replace Derek Jeter as the next shortstop of the Yankees. Uh, he retired a little early, so we didn't quite <laughs> get the handoff there. Um, but uh, I was good, right? Like I was mm -hmm. a very good baseball player. And then as I got out in the world and saw enough people who were God's gift to the world when it came to America's pastime, I was like, oh, okay. Like those guys <laughs> probably aren't even going to make major league baseball. And then there's me. Um, so... You know, I think I was pretty lucky to early on have the realization that Major League Baseball wasn't the path for somebody who was going to max out at five foot eight, 160 pounds. Um, and I said, what's the next best thing? Talking about it. I've always loved talking about it in my life. So the first game I remember broadcasting was truly senior year of high okay. school. I did like PA announcing for the football team. Um, okay. and was pretty terrible at it, but you know, you're going to, you're probably going to be the first time you do something. Mm -hmm. Then I emceed the pamp rally and got some time in front of the mic doing that. And that was pretty fun. Um, me and Maggie Peterson. Mm -hmm. And then besides that, uh, I did so much playing sports that I never really yeah. found the time to broadcast truly until I got to Syracuse and ended up on the radio doing like top 40 DJing and mm -hmm. Citrus TV. And then we have an NPR station in Syracuse where I got to do some sports talk radio um, yeah. where, you know, Syracuse and UConn will have a battle hey, in hey, MSG. Hey, hey. Watch it. And all of a sudden <laughs> UConn wins with 2.8 seconds left on a last second layup. And I've got to immediately be ready on the radio to talk about this and commiserate with the great people of the Salt City in Central New York who are heartbroken at Jim Beheim's apoplectic offense. Um, <laughs> so it it was, you know, you kind of get thrown into it, but it's, it's one of those things, like especially when I ended up in the booth in the summer of 2016 with the Stallions and then 2017 again, like I've, I've watched so many broadcasts in my life. I've loved talking about baseball for so long in my life. It was very easy to get up there and play the part. And then once you start doing that, once you get the reps, you, you kind of figure it out as you go. So, um, yeah, the, the Stallions booth is truly where I did uh, a okay. whole lot of my growing as a broadcaster, where I had Good. Curtis Jorgensen as yeah. my, uh, you know, my partner and Tom Perpetua as Perpetua my other mm -hmm. partner. So, like, I had people I grew up with and, and loved and, and knew up there in the booth. And it was a very friendly atmosphere to, mm -hmm. to learn and grow and make mistakes and be silly. Yeah. What That's has cool. been your biggest mistake? I have to. Oh, um, I haven't I haven't done anything too horrific. Uh, <laughs> the one that the first thing that that comes into my mind is, you know, it's just like a lot of slip of the tongues. I mean, I, I probably have close to like 100 mistakes during any broadcast just because you're talking the whole time and you're going to boop something. Um, but the one that really jumps out to me is on last year's world tour. 
when Bill LeRoy was coming up to the plate and his uh his walk up song is by Billy Squire. Um it's a um gosh and what is the name of the song? Now I'm having an absolute blank in my mind. I'm usually uh, pretty good at this, but not this time. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't give a whole lot of information there. But in general, it's. Oh gosh, hold on. Bear yeah, with can... me for a heartbeat here. What, what Sometimes was the we name got a Google again? in yeah. the middle of the episode. And, and we will. Sometimes we, we have will. to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what it takes. So, Billy Squire, The Stroke. How can I forget? Um, the stroke is Bill's song. So as he's coming up to the plate and he's doing his clamp above his head and the full capacity crowd, I think we're in West Palm Beach or something, is clapping along with him. I was like, you know, it's the song is the stroke. So I'm like, oh, Bill Leroy stroking himself coming up to the plate. And I'm like, oh, that is not at all what I wanted to say. <laughs> the, hey, you both it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Correct. So it's a lot of, it's like, there's a lot of that in my life uh, of just something stumbles out doesn't come quite out right um, right yeah. and it happens a lot in the broadcast world so i have a lot of people to commiserate with but KP. yeah there's there's a lot of those in my life and there's those, probably gonna and... be plenty more but yes yeah. you just gotta take the punches and keep rolling with it yep i was <laughs> yeah, just my biggest those... sorry I was oh no my, those... my biggest bugaboo these days is we play so many night games and only had five day games that and this is a not as funny, just like a gripe that I have with myself is during day games. So often I will say tonight, like something is happening tonight. Um, and I'm like, no, it's this afternoon. It's this afternoon. It's a day <laughs> game. Like, what are you talking about? You're so stupid. Uh, so that's like the ongoing, I'll enter a broadcast to be like, okay, I have 10 tonights in me. And if I say tonight more than 10 times during this day game, I'm going to possibly jump out of the broadcast booth. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my general ongoing battle I have with myself. Such there's, a human thing. Yeah, Talking is hard. Yeah, there's a there's a segment though, B girl, that you can even um kind of incorporate there with you know just the the tonight aspect. I don't know how Savannah Banana will look at it, but having the audience be like counting how many times did you say okay. it? Um, that's something that you know could really. Oh damn, I said it again. Maybe I should have yell time, it you know? back at you or something. Yeah. This afternoon. <laughs> that's a great idea because we have a comment section. Like that is one of the cool okay. things about broadcasting on YouTube where the vast majority of our yeah. games are is there is a running comment section. And early on in the bananas days, I could keep up with it. And it was really like a two way conversation. That was super cool. And nowadays it is a great problem to have, but we average like 40,000 people on a broadcast. So it's just scrolling at a speed that I could never imagine keeping up with now. Awesome. Um, but that would be a, a really fun thing to keep in mind. And like, there's even I, we could throw in some kind of like uh, rewards for the people. We give out like gift memberships. We would love to give them out for free, but YouTube 99 cents is, is the minimum on it. And you get like these goofy emotes and stuff that are bananas themed and everything. Um, so yeah, maybe 10 gift memberships, a gift membership for every time I say a night during a uh, day game, we, uh, we're onto something here. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hey, Courtney. You know what I'm about to say. That's the walk and grow effect. That's the walk and grow effect. Anytime I love we, it. Anytime we come up with something kind of good, that's yeah, yeah. That's what that's we're here to do. We're not here just to have conversations in here, and just we're here to expand our our horizons, right? And to help each other to give different perspectives. Because again, the best way to I think evolve any idea is to have conversations and pick each other's brain. Because again, you don't know what somebody else has been through, what their experience. <laughs> so 
something's going to come out of it. And that's why I love the conversation that we're having today because it's, you can hear it in itself. Banana ball is all about the fans in itself. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, where do you actually have that? And I remember when Courtney first mentioned it to me, I think the following day I sent this to her and there was someone, forgive me, um, you might remember this better than me, Biko, but it was someone in the outfield. The ball was, it was a high flyer. The ball was just kind of going up there. And someone did a backflip while catching the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the number, so sorry, forgive me now. Um, <laughs> give me grace later. But I saw that and I was like, where in the world are you ever going to see something like this? Someone doing a backflip while catching the ball. Got the person out. And it, I was I was right then and then I was like, yeah, this is something that you just have to experience in person. I mean, <laughs> you can be on YouTube all day long, but I think it's really going to be an experience in person just to see what really goes on there. Yeah, you're spot on. And like the big difference is, you know, obviously we pride ourselves on our broadcasts and we think our broadcasts are, are a really fun experience to to watch and listen to. But you are seeing what we want to show you. Yeah. Or whatever we decide is is the most valuable piece of time. And like I have family who has watched these broadcasts since the first one I did back in 2020 and have been seeing this all over time, who now have just gotten to go to their first games. And it's it's unreplicable. It's the energy in the environment is unreplicable. I mean, you can't you you just can't replicate what Shark or DJ and PA announcer is doing. He's got like nonstop music and and little jokes and this and that going throughout the game. And then, like I said earlier, you just don't know what you should be looking at. Whereas on the broadcast, we're really focusing on the banana ball. Like we're not going to hopefully we're not going to miss a pitch like. We're on the, this is a banana ball broadcast. And then in between pitches, like, oh, here's a shot of Maceo Harrison doing his wrecking ball dance or, or some MJ or whatever, or Reggie Horton dancing in the dugout, this and that. Like, there's a bajillion things to look at when you're at the game. But if you're watching the broadcast, you're just seeing it through our lens, which is the best way we know how to do things. But uh, until we come up with some kind of multi-view broadcast where you could be looking at like eight cameras at once, that's like the <laughs> red zone of just one NFL or one banana ball game. Uh, that's that's what the people are gonna have online. You had mentioned like the what the idea that you had about like a family of four coming to the game and stuff, and I'm just picturing like a family of four leaving the game and every single one of them having like a different experience, kind of like this kid got caught up on this, this kid wanted to see that the the dad was really into the game or whatever it was, right? Or um, but yeah, I could just picture, you know, every single person had some sort of different experience because of how many things are going on and whatever they clung to or whatever was important to them or stuck out to their eye. And that's so cool. That's so unique. Yeah, that can definitely happen. Like we try to have characters kind of for all people. Like we end up seeing kids usually love Split. They're either terrified of Split or, or Mascot or they're obsessed with him. Um, and then on the other lens, we have Princess Potassia who is like the banana princess Um, and little girls love her. They just love her. She's really good at her job and they're obsessed with her. So like they come in for that. We have a running joke that moms love Maceo. Truly everybody loves Maceo. We're trying to figure out which we want to put on a shirt, but moms love Maceo, our dancing first base coach. Um, Like you just see it over and over again. Uh, And now Jake Lealios, a party animals pitcher who we have ring dudes instead of ring girls in banana land. So when you're getting to the ninth inning, which is the final inning, we have a player from the bananas and party animals get up on their dugout and they've got a sign that says last inning and they're strutting their stuff. And they'll usually pop the jersey off and do a couple push-ups. We have a guy on the party animals, Jake Lealios, who has taken it to a whole nother level. And he's, it's like a full choreographed dance. Like you would think that 
it's illegal in some of the states that we're in what he does on top of the dugout. Um, which, like, it toes the line between family-friendly fun and, like, oh, my gosh, Jake Lealios. Like, I think that he just impregnated the dugout. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, it, it's oh, so true that a family of four could come to an event and have a very different experience. And hopefully there just isn't a, a tough conversation between the parents and kids about what that man in black and pink was doing at the end of the Oh, game. my gosh. I am so happy you brought up Jake because I actually was going to myself, Ronnie, huh. I don't know, you're not going to believe this, not for the reason you might be thinking, but um, talking about community, bringing people together, right? I'm going to make this a small world real quick. Jake Lealios is one of our former guests, Adara Lealios's brother. So I worked with Adara. She was my intern and she was one of, she was my first guest on Walking Grow coming on here. So yeah, I... I didn't know I was going to reach out to you, Biko, at the time, but I knew I knew of Banana Ball. I knew of all these things. I knew her brother played for the party animals. She um, She's down there. She watches them all the time. She takes a bunch of pictures and stuff. So just that community, that small world aspect. I Again, I thought I was going to bring him up. So you bringing up his name a couple times, I'm like, what are the chances? But That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. The, the world gets smaller every second that you live in it, and mm-hmm. life continues to be a, a flat circle. That is mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling. I don't think I'm going to get over it for the rest of the day. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, cool. they're, from, they're from Arizona. So Yeah, of course. Tucson. Definitely. That's that's so cool. I know. I've seen a bunch of his... <laughs> pictures yeah, pictures that they take and He stuff is like taking that. it to a whole other level. Like, mm-hmm. Jake is... He is truly unlike any other. We also do um, a weigh-in before every game, like, you know, before a boxing match or a UFC fight or something, you would have a weigh-in. Um, I'm very happy to report that was one of my ideas to Jesse Cole in the 2020, it was the 2020 off-season because we started doing them for the One City World Tour in 2021. We went to Mobile, Alabama. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's a weigh-in. Um, but Lealios ended up being one of our favorites because it's, like, all of his poses and everything and, um, I mean, this is a guy who was literally just working for Fidelity before we we grabbed him. I mean, he he was playing in the Pecos League and um, you know was was playing out there in Tucson and stuff. But his main job was working in finance. Um, and boy, he's got a whole other side of him that is unlocked, and he's become a mainstay. Like somewhere in the organization, whether his numbers on the mound are terrible or not, we gotta try and figure out a way to incorporate Jake Lealios. Because one, he's a great mm-hmm. dude. He's very fun to have around. Um, it's surprisingly, he's actually probably one of the most impressive people I've ever met when it comes to in impersonations, his impressions of people are, are mind boggling. Um, so that's always fun, but also what, uh, what he can do with his body. Like he became kind of our go-to six two two guy, which is what we call like six inning party animals. fucking pitch to the second batter. They're going to do a little dance. And that's what you see on like the bananas, TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff a lot. He became one of their go-to's. Because he could just shake those hips like nobody else. Um, and he's a he's a good baseball player. Like he can almost touch ninety with his fastball, but um, which is important. Like that's the most important tenet of being a banana baller is being a very good baseball player. But the fact that he can move it and groove it and get so dialed in and locked in, and you can see it in his eyes that he is just owning the moment. Um, that's a, a very big plus. So he, I think he'll probably have a spot somewhere in Banana Land for a, a time to come. That's so cool. So, Biko, I, I don't know if you have so much of knowledge on this, but, like, how is it that, one, let's just say they're, like, looking at, some, you know, the banana balls, like, I want to be a part of this. And is there, like, 
somewhere or something that they should really do to kind of put their, I guess, put their talent in front of Banana Ball? Or is it kind of on a, you know, you guys have a recruiter that kind of goes out and seeks for talent? So for every world tour we've had, we've had a tryout. Um, that was the one city world tour in 2020. We had a tryout. That's basically how we created both teams. Um, same thing for 2022, except now we had a little bit of a talent base. So like we probably had 10 guys. We we're like, Hey, you don't need to come to the tryout. You've earned yourself a spot on the second tour. Then we did the same thing for our summer series last year, as well as this tour. Um, this year we're stepping it up and having four different tryouts, but now they're invite only. Mm. Um, so if you really want to be a banana ball player and think you, you have the skill and, and style and personality to do it, um, you want to email Barry at the Savannah Bananas. He is our coordinator of banana ball operations. Um, basically the general manager of, of all things banana ball. And it's, it's going to be tough now because like the, the demand is so big mm-hmm. and we have such a talent pool that we can pull from as this thing continues to get bigger and bigger that we are like almost only taking all stars from independent professional leagues, like people who were, you know, all team D1, this or that. Like you got to have a pretty impressive resume. Um, and then also having a social media following does not hurt. So like we've, we have a lot of guys who, you know, were drafted. They were, they were in minor league baseball here or there. Um, and maybe have a couple hundred thousand of followers on social media. And it's like, oh, you're, you're kind of a perfect person. And then we connect with them and, find out if they are a good person which is the most important part of being in banana land like you just have to be generally a good person um and then it's like oh that that's probably going to be game over so um but in general if you're really talented um we would love to see you so you know shoot barry an email with with all your details and hopefully have a baseball reference page uh and and can throw some numbers around for us as well because we are truly looking for the best baseball players and then we can mold them into any kind of entertainer that that's possible with inside them. Like that's, that's really the the magic of banana land is you just get great baseball players and then let them open up and, and they'll try their hardest when it comes to the dancing and, and all the shenanigans and everything. Uh, and effort is, is really all we, we require and the fans require, like it doesn't matter if you're absolutely killing a player dance with Maceo, if you're trying your best, um, the, the fans are pretty happy. Yeah. Hey, awesome. I mean, for anyone listening, you just got the inside scoop. I mean, for Beagle to drop an email, I mean, that was top-notch right there. So that's, that's not going to happen everywhere, I'll tell you that. So there's their information, and hopefully you guys take advantage of that because there's an mm-hmm. opportunity for you to strike at. Not only are we here to give you perspectives, but we're here to make sure that you guys can take action as a community of, you know, doing something and better yourself is what everything matters. But Beagle, yeah. I can't, like, just, it's every time you're just speaking about you know, banana ball and just what you do with the, you know, broadcast entertaining and just everything. It is so much that it lights up. It's like, I don't know <laughs> if this is just you as an individual or is it just <laughs> your personality or is it just, this is truly indeed your passion. How in the world did you find it? Um, so it's definitely a combination of all of those things. Like I, I am a, a pretty bubbly, goofy person and have found a lot of joy in life. And I've been very blessed and lucky to have run into that. Um, but also, I, I found the perfect spot. I'm very passionate about the bananas. So it's a perfect storm of enthusiasm, right? Um, when it comes to me stumbling into it, like like I said, the long story is wanted to be a pro baseball player, ended up in broadcasting, went to Syracuse because it's the best broadcasting school in the country. Um, and that was, it was a super cool experience. That led me to MLB Network, 
bada bing, bada boom, I'm working behind the camera, I'm dying to get back into broadcasting, so I start looking around on the internet, right? Um, and that's where I joined the Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. And anybody who wants to get into any kind of sports journalism or broadcasting, I highly re- recommend it for anyone in like the college ages or, or coming out of college. Um, it's pretty much a poor man's agent, like 30 bucks a month. And this guy, John Chelsnick, who, who was a broadcaster for a few decades himself, runs the whole thing. And you get uh, job opportunities sent your way probably three or four times a week, as well as advice, like two or three times a week, um, ranging on all possible things you could need going out into the broadcasting field. So um, that really helped prepare me as far as the advice coming. And then also just getting to see all these job openings and what different companies and different opportunities are offering and are looking for. Um, and after I'd seen a couple hundred of those, I was trying to stay in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut type area. Um, there were, there was never really openings in that area for a job of my caliber. Like now I have a full-time job with benefits and everything. Like I'm not just going to go leave for an internship. Um, so then I saw an opening for the bananas, which was a description unlike any other, which is unsurprising here. Um, but they were looking for three batters of play-by-play of any game ever. Like I could just watch a game and do three batters in how I felt like I would broadcast for the bananas and they would take that. So I leaved at that opportunity because I was like, well, I don't want to send them something from 2017, my last summer broadcasting with Dallians. Like let's just cook something up new. Um, so I took three batters of a walk-off for the Braves over the Marlins. I figured the down in Georgia will appreciate that. Uh, hyped it up, pretended... My then uh, at the time girlfriend, now fiance's basement apartment in Jamaica, Queens was Grayson Stadium, historic Grayson Stadium at that. Um, and then like pretended that the managers on both teams were like a bananas manager and a bacon manager and and this and that uh, and called the walk off and was really excited and uh, wrote a couple songs for them that were bananas themed and had a couple skit ideas that I threw in there as well. Just kind of hit them with the, you know, menagerie of, of things that I could bring to the table. Um and they liked the cut of my jive. A couple of days later, I was interviewing with Jesse Cole, the man in the yellow tux, virtually. I was in the Bayonne Public Library in New Jersey. Um, he was in Grayson Stadium. Um, we chatted for like 40 minutes, and he was like, you're our guy. Uh, here's here's an offer for two and a half months and uh, a very small amount of money. It's all we have. And I was like, okay, cool. I really want to do this, but I either need some more money or some place to stay. And he was like, okay, I'll investigate that. And they hooked me up with this 73-year-old at the time, now 76-year-old woman, Paula, um, and her two cats, like, who lives five minutes from the stadium. And she's got a little in-ground pool in the backyard, and we absolutely vibe. She's uh, she, like, <laughs> used to, she used to spin, re- spin disco records in Chicago for, like, her first 40 years of her life. I mean, like, not all of them, oh but, you know. Uh, so we really clicked immediately. I still live with Paula when I'm in Savannah, which is hilarious because, as I mentioned, now that's, like, eight months of the year. Um, but, uh, you know, I got the grass, and we'll do the dishes and this and that, and, and we absolutely vibe. So, um, yeah, it was a winding journey that had me accepting a two-and-a-half-month contract to broadcast some collegiate summer baseball, which I figured would be a stepping stone to minor league baseball. Um, but then the summer I went down was COVID, and the 15-team league got cut down to three teams, so the Bananas were only playing the Macon Bacon and the Lexington County Blowfish. Um, and the stadium was half capacity, and everyone was wearing masks and rubber gloves and stuff, like they were going to wash <laughs> the dishes. Uh, like, it was... It was a weird scene. Everyone's like, well, you haven't actually experienced Banana Land, so you got to come back for 2021. And then I came back for 2021, and then they had the One City World Tour and took Banana Ball on the road for the first time. 
that was pretty magical. Um, and then I was like, okay. And they won a championship that year in the summer. So I was like, oh, this was amazing. I'll come back for 2022. They're going to go to seven cities. Like I got to experience that. Uh, so they experienced the seven cities and then they, they won another championship. And then they're like, well, we're leaving the league and now we're just going to do banana ball and we're going to hit 33 cities. I'm like, well, I can't miss that. So then I signed on for another year. And, uh, and now I, I think it's pretty safe to say I'll probably be back next year as well. That's so cool. I kind of wanted to bring that up. I know you had uh, mentioned your creativity and um, some of the ideas that you had, and you've mentioned an idea previously that you wanted to make sure you had credit for, but I'm kind of glad you also brought brought up the COVID experience because that's kind of when I first started. And I think it's just from following you and knowing you that I really got into it was because of just your creativity during COVID. And I think that's a time where you really had to be because like you said, like it not not all things functioned as they usually do. So I was just wondering what, what are some of your other ideas or maybe like some of the most fun you had doing ridiculous things uh, over the broadcast? I know specifically I remember um, you like drawing on the whiteboard what was happening and like trying to keep up with the games that we couldn't see uh, and just things like that. But any other ideas that you wanted to share, things that you were like especially proud of that came from you? Yeah, the whiteboard is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Um, we love to say in Banana Land that constraints breed create creativity. So like mm-hmm. anytime you have some constraints, it's time to find a creative solution. And our constraints for the whiteboard was that I wanted to broadcast all the games when I came down to Savannah, home and away, um, which was kind of a foreign uh, idea for not just the team, but the league. And when I investigated, it turned out that the league had a rule in place that if you're an away broadcaster, you cannot show the field. The home team has video rights for every game. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird for small-time uh, college summer baseball league, but okay, that's fine. You know, they have like a broadcasting deal in 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 place and everything, so I can play with that. Um, but a radio broadcast did not sound very bananas, quote-unquote. didn't feel on brand. Um, so I went into our president's office, Jared Orton, and was basically like, we need to come up with something creative to broadcast these games. We can't show the field. And I don't think bananas fans would be over the moon about a radio broadcast. Like it just doesn't sound that interesting. So he came up with the idea that I would go be broadcasting the game. And Jared, our team president would be behind me with a whiteboard drawing what was happening on the field. Right. So it's like, okay, we, we cheated. Like they don't get to see the field, but we'll draw what's happening. Um, well, the first time we were going to try this out, was the first road game of 2020. It was in Macon, and it was supposed to rain from, like, noon to midnight, basically. And Jared's like, you know, as as the president of the team, I cannot drive two and a half hours to then have it rained out because I was trying to draw on the whiteboard behind you during this broadcast for, like, 30 to 50 people. Um, so he was like, why don't you try this one out by yourself? I'm like, all right, sounds good, Jared. So I got a whiteboard, some Expo markers, um, wasn't allowed to be on the team bus that first summer in 2020 because of COVID regulations. They could only bring 26 people, and that was always 24 players and two coaches. Like, I actually did get to go on two bus rides because they ended up taking, like, a really small team to those, um, and they had a spot there. But anyway, I'm just driving my little Toyota Scion uh, through middle Georgia and break out this whiteboard and set up my little tiny, um, you know, sound bar and and uh sling studio was the technology we were using at the time um and then just drew like 
the diamond on the field and did a radio broadcast for all intents and purposes, but one in which I was on the camera the entire time. Um, so the people who were watching and commenting could actually see me. And then also I would be drawing where the ball was going and I would draw who was up and how many outs and who was pitching and um, all of that nonsense. So it was kind of like if you check in on a game at, on MLB.com or ESPN and you're just looking at the game day of like the box score and where a ball's going. I combined that with a radio broadcast um, and the people enjoyed it. Uh and it was tiresome because, like I said, it was like three and a half to four hours of just being on camera the entire time. Um, but it also was very authentic. I felt like for the bananas and ended up creating a lot of uh, silly, goofy times for myself and the fans. So, like, that's the one that jumps out for sure. Some of the other ones that are much lesser is like we we used to do these goofy interviews uh, we call it ripe rundowns which was another thing Jesse pinched to me when I was in that original virtual meeting with him um, when I didn't even have the job yet, is he was like, we need a broadcaster who's comfortable getting in the shower with a player and interviewing them after the game. And I was like, Jesse, I'm your guy. Uh, <laughs> so that was one of the first ones we did. I think it was actually the second ripe rundown we did was myself with Kyle Lewigs in the shower after a game. Um, and then uh, Jesse wasn't in love with Kyle's energy. Kyle's taken a long time to evolve. He's now his 60 as a banana. So we did it again with Eduardo Malinowski in the shower. I was lucky enough to get uh, two banana maulers in uh, in the shower in the summer of 2021. Um, the first one we actually did was a massage. Like uh, Dan Oberst was actually getting massaged by Nick Clarno behind him. And then I slid under the table. So Dan and I were like, it was probably less than a foot separating our faces. And that's how we did the interview. Um, we kind of did a version two of that as well, where I was uh, the masseuse and I was massaging Dan really trying to get those kinks out while I interviewed him about the game. Um, I, I did an ice bath. Ashley Morris and I both did an ice bath on home plate, which was not a good place to do it because that overflowed a ton and just absolutely sent home plate underwater. Um, probably the most bizarre one is I ended up inside the post-game meal. Like, you know, the guys kind of have a buffet-type style thing for, for their meal afterwards, and they cut open the... Uh, the styrofoam, no, no, it was like a tinfoil container and put my hand into it and then like glued it back together and then surrounded me with burgers and, and like hot dogs and stuff. So it was just like a floating head. And the whole premise was these guys are trying to do the post-game meal, but then all of a sudden there's Biko and he's interviewing them. Um, and Cole Kitchen, this kid from Santa Clara, California, took the opportunity of me being a static head to, after I asked him my one or two questions, uh, he was moving on to steal a kiss for me he snuck in and kissed me right on the limbs and there was nothing i could do but close my eyes and pucker up um so there's there's like you know it's banana land like anything goes in banana land um we did like asmr out on second eating bananas myself and bryson bloomer i dressed up in the princess potassia dress out on second base to interview bill Leroy. um you know I, we did a petty car where like I, we were in a petty car we used to have this car and just like kind of went around the field doing it um We've had a, a lot of pretty goofy ideas for the ripe rundowns, and that's that's been a nice outlet for our weirder creative sides. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like I've followed along and I've seen things on um, TikTok and, and things like that, but um, I didn't realize how much I had seen and everything you just said, like I could see it in my head. Every idea you just mentioned, I was like, yep, I remember the second phase. I remember the food. I remember the whiteboard. I, like, all of it. That's just, it's so cool. And 
And you really do. I mean, of course, with something of this magnitude, you're going to have good social media presence and things like that. But if you can really, I, I'm not huge on social media. So if I can remember each of those moments just from you saying it, that's how good you guys are at really putting it out there and making sure it's, you know, fun and it really catches your eye. And yeah, I just, and like you mentioned, I mean, COVID was tough, you know, for a lot of people and making sure that people are still getting entertainment or just, just being able to like turn something on and being like, oh, this is fun. You know, this this brings me joy um, and just having a laugh and it it's a big deal, you know, and I think it can be things that we take for granted sometimes, but just being able to turn something on and be like, this is fun. I'm glad I tuned into this or this is new to me. This is something I haven't experienced before, you know, and that that's all so valuable. Yeah, fun and joy are like the two most important words in banana ball like in in banana land at that like it's just we're just trying to spread fun and spread joy and have an opportunity whether it is in person or online through our social media for people to smile and you know be able to embrace that like things that are weird can be very funny and to not mm-hmm. take ourselves too seriously and i think if you go to banana ball games or if you watch like the entirety of an 87 game season on the broadcast you will see a lot of our promotions fail. Um, we are not afraid to fail. We're going to try new things constantly. We try to put like 10 to 15 new things in, in every script to make sure that uh, there's there's new and weird entertainment for people. And like if it fails, that is almost just as fun as like a promotion absolutely smashing because it's like, okay, we tried it, it didn't work. Like either we're going to try and tweak it and do it again or that is the only time that we will ever do a race where people are on you know all fours and are wearing a helmet that's covered in peanut butter and they're only allowed to crawl when the dog is licking the peanut butter off their helmet (laughs) like there's a lot of things like that that we have done that jesse on the mic in stadium will be like and that is the first and last time we're ever doing the doggy peanut butter race like it's you know it's it's kind of fun to see failure as much as it is to just see a, a, a slam dunk of a promotion that's so funny uh i have one more thing um on my mind to bring up you covered everything else um but we mentioned like these smaller not not small but kind of sillier ideas or things that like we'll kind of see and and like you mentioned it's we've talked about the fans we talked about having a good time and, and things like that but we you have also seen a lot of success and and it has been really huge and you talked about the tour and how it's growing and everything but also i did see um the hall of fame the hall of fame and i don't know if this was Banana ball, you can tell me the timeline of it, but you also have an Emmy. Yes, I do. So, that was from the MLB Network days. Okay. Um, so that was definitely very cool working on MLB Tonight and Quick Pitch for MLB Tonight. There's like 180 of us who got mm-hmm. an Emmy. But um, shout out the Major League Baseball Network. They paid for all of them, like $300 an award. So we did all get an Emmy. That was mm-hmm. very cool. Um, I showed it to the goats on the farm and they were not I impressed. Remember. They just tried to eat it. Uh, but that's okay. I wanted them to get to share in, in that cool little moment. Um, and then the baseball hall of fame was mind boggling. That's the, that is single handedly the craziest thing that has ever happened in my life. That like looking back at it from, you know, an a thousand yard stare that a job that I thought was a two and a half month gig to hopefully hop into minor league baseball and start climbing the ladder to the bigs in broadcasting um ended up within less than four years like literally barely 
three years and a couple months into me starting to work there, I now have my scorecards in an exhibit at the National Baseball Hall of Fame that are signed by me. And there's a little write up next to it, like Bananas Broadcaster, Biko Scala, also the official scorekeeper. It's like, what universe, what timeline are we in that that happened? Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, we grew up less than two hours from the hall in in Cooperstown, like like an hour 50 from Saugerty. So um, I was there every summer growing up, sometimes multiple times a summer, if I had like a baseball tournament there or something. Um, And my dad and I would just go in the hall and see it all again um, and go in all the baseball card shops and and go to Doubleday and watch like a men's league game uh, as they play on Doubleday Field. So yeah, that's probably the hardest thing to possibly even put words on because like humbling thankful mind-boggling like just a lack of comprehension of how this possibly (laughs) happened in life is (laughs) is all there because you're just in the baseball hall of fame and then there's an exhibit for banana ball and the bananas and your scorecards are in there and then next to that there's a little screen that's like just playing a rolling uh highlight of our tiktoks and stuff and viral videos and my voice is sprinkled in there quite a lot it's like hearing myself in the baseball hall of fame i I don't know. Like I, mm-hmm. I simply, I simply do not know. That was a, that was a pretty emotional experience for sure to to get to go through that. And I'm forever thankful that I stumbled into this thing. Um, there's there's a lot of things that has to go right, and you can get pretty lost in the butterfly effect of life. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's one where I I was I was pretty amazed. Yeah, I like to think it it comes down to all the things that we mentioned already, like. Just your energy, you being such a positive person, Banana Ball and Banana Land being just like a happy place and wanting, like you said, wanting joy for people. I, I like to think that it it comes back down to those things, you know, and those elements of just like this brings joy to people and it's a great way to do baseball. You know, baseball has been done one way for a very long time and that's not to say there hasn't been changes, but it's, it's looked pretty similar for a while and, and you just put a fun spin on it and, you know, good things good people and good organizations deserve good things and um that's really cool i was i was really happy to see that on your socials and yeah so congratulations that's really awesome congrats um thank you yeah Yeah. mind-boggling and like obviously the honor is is even that much crazier for jesse and emily who created this thing and like poured their hearts and soul into it and if you get into jesse's written three books and the story's been on you know good morning america and hbo real sports and and all of a sudden, there's a there's a five part document here on ESPN Plus. Like, there's a lot of places to get the info. Um, but like the general story, even though it's been told a lot, is still mind boggling that they literally like what basically went bankrupt because the bananas had to sell their house, were living in um you know a, a tiny apartment on an air mattress because they zeroed out their accounts in in the cost that it takes to create a baseball team. But um their their minds and souls have always been in the right place and uh i also tend to to have a a view about the world and the universe that if you put good into it good's going to come back to you and i think they're a very good example of it um and i'm just lucky enough to have have stumbled into the organization at just the right time (laughs) perfect i love that for you thank you for sharing all that it's so (laughs) cool of course That's that's just a true testament, you know. Despite how hard things can get in life, uh, there's always going to be, you know, the brightest side is always going to be near. It's just a matter of how willing and how dedicated are you to get there. Again, I think the saying, the analogy is, you know, it doesn't rain every day all the time. You know, the sun is eventually going to shine. So 
Now that's definitely good to hear that, you know, despite everything that they were able still to make it through and now to be in the Hall of Fame, that's even a better sign, I'm sure, that they realize that it's it's truly indeed all paying off at the end of the day for them. So, you know, definitely good to hear that. I'm glad you share that with us. But I'm I kinda wanna hear it from you. Like where can the people, if whoever does want to get in touch with you, where can they get in touch with you? Whether socials or however, whatever platforms you're on. Yeah, so I still go with the classic uh, socials that I created way back in the day when I was a young whippersnapper in uh, Saturdays, New York. I am Bico Rico Suave on uh, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, which I, I've posted two TikToks in the last like six months, but you never know. I might get on a heater there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if, if you want to find me out in the world, I am Bico, which is B-I-K-O, Rico, which is R-I-C-O, and suave, which is suave. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll can figure that one out. Also, if anybody is interested, like joining the organization as a player or the front office or just getting on board or just working a game, um, you can email me at Bico. Forget the first at. I am Bico at the com. So just my name and then at the Savannah Bananas. I, I'm always happy to get you in the right spot if you want to uh, join in on some of the magic of Banana Lip. Next, uh, I'll make sure to help the people that are listening or watching. To I'll leave it in the description as well, so that you know nice. they, yeah. they they don't try to pause it, rewind, do all that. So <laughs> I'll do that for the grace of that. But um, thank you, Bigo, for being here and sharing your perspective, and just even sharing what what's going on in the banana world or banana mm-hmm. land, I should say. Sorry. <laughs> oh, either worse, banana world, banana land, banana universe. However, you can spread the good gospel of a banana ball. <laughs> We, we are happy to share it. And uh, thank you so much to, to both of you guys for having me on. It was really fun. Absolutely. So to everybody, till next time, keep on applying those perspectives, education, growth, and collaboration, y'all.